Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you see a spike in calls, is that good or bad? And I have a beef with that very question. Is it good or bad? Uh, I don't think that's the right way to look at it. Because I would say that a rise in the number of calls to any hotline, whether it's suicide prevention or a corporate hotline program, really, the, the answer is it's both. It is both a good thing and a bad thing. In this episode, Tom and Matt take a deep dive into the numbers from the first month of the National Suicide Prevention Hotline and consider what those numbers might mean for the compliance professional in the context of your hotline reporting and speak up culture at your organization. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. But first, a quick message from our sponsor. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Matt Kelly for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. Today, we're going to take up a different focus on a topic we talk about a lot in this podcast. The topic generally is speak up culture, but Matt's wrapped it around suicide prevention. So Matt, with an incredibly long-winded introduction, welcome. And what got your attention to this a topic that you wrote a blog post on posting it? Yeah, Tom, thank you. So this was news that came out over the weekend about the new suicide prevention hotline that went into effect in the United States in mid-July. It is the 988 hotline. I think it's also formally known as the Lifeline program, but it supplants or supersedes the old 1-800 toll-free number that had existed in the United States for many years. The new hotline came in July, and then the first full month of this hotline being in operation was August. So last week, the Department of Health and Human Services published a report about the level of activity on the new prevention hotline comparing August 2022 to levels of August 2021. And suicide calls are up considerably this year compared to 2021. They are up whether we're talking about actual phone calls to the 988 hotline or texts that you would send to the Lifeline program or online chats, a number of different uh, channels, intake channels, I guess you could say, that Suicide Prevention Hotline offers. But it struck me that dynamic that we have around suicide prevention, calls are up considerably. It raises some questions that I think corporate compliance officers face a lot in their own internal reporting programs 
if you see a spike in calls, is that good or bad? And I have a beef with that very question. Is it good or bad? I don't think that's the right way to look at it, because I would say that a rise in the number of calls to any hotline, whether it's suicide prevention or a corporate hotline program, really, the answer is it's both. It is both a good thing and a bad thing. I don't like that there are more and more people, apparently, who are experiencing suicidal thoughts and having these depressive episodes and thinking about that as a troublesome statement about American society. On the other hand, at the same time, I am happy that more people are calling for help because suicide is a very serious problem. And they are basically saying, I have this issue. I am looking for a greater organization to help me address it. To that extent, that's a good thing. I would much rather more people call a suicide prevention hotline than keep their feelings bottled up and try and solve such a difficult burden themselves. So it just struck me as an interesting example of how when people say it's an increase in calls about something, is that good or bad? The correct answer is yes, it is both good and bad. And that is a very important point for compliance officers to understand and appreciate so that can go talking to your enterprise when there's, well, do we really want a lot of hotline calls? Doesn't that mean we have a lot of problems? Yes, it does. But it also means people are interested in trying to get management to help solve those problems. That's a good thing. And so that led me to this post here is that it's a very jarring example of the point, but it is one that I think most people could appreciate that more calls to suicide prevention hotlines is both a good and bad thing at the same time. And we have to accept that as just the way it is. I guess, Matt, the only pushback I would have is that it's never a bad thing. And it's never a bad thing in suicide prevention. It's never a bad thing in a speak up culture. It goes back for me to the question or the introduction to the question. I'm sorry, this is a stupid question, but you should never be afraid to raise your hand and ask the question, ask for help. And this is a great example. You really packed a lot into your blog post, but I wanted to pick up on the Kyle Welch part because Kyle Welch was sure. a professor at GW and he took uh, was the first academician type to take a deep dive into whistleblower reporting. And what he found was that if you have a true speak up culture, not simply a hotline or a way to, to raise your hand and speak up, it can have a material financial effect, positive material financial effect on a corporation. And I guess I see this is example of another example of really what he found, which is if you have a culture of speak up and by creating a national suicide prevention hotline, it's certainly an attempt to, to elevate the status of this issue in a way that you can't get much easier than 988 or 911 or in England 999. And having that number for people is, a, I think, a great way, an entree to raise your hand and ask your help. But I also saw really, maybe as an underpinning to your blog post, that there's a lot all of us can do around suicide prevention, whether it's to support a 988 number, whether it's to support a, a speak up culture, or whether it's just to listen. And so I was wondering if that was a conscious or even unconscious part of what you're thinking about and how important you've led an organization and how important is just that skill of listening? 
I think it can be very challenging to learn and to practice for managers. And in fact, so often we talk about speak up cultures. And really, I think a lot of employees want to speak up about what's wrong at their company. And the challenge, as I've said before, and others have also said, is that it's about if management is listening in an effective way. Because if employees don't feel heard, eventually they're going to stop calling. They're going to turn very sour and cynical about the corporate culture. And maybe they'll leave. Maybe they'll not care about other employees committing misconduct. Once they disconnect, once they feel like they are not being heard and no one's listening to them, you know, nothing good comes of that if you're in management or you're the compliance function. So it really is something where you need to train managers and especially first-time managers, especially middle managers, about how you would listen in an effective way to make sure that people can feel heard. It's funny, I actually hadn't really wanted to make that sort of connection or I hadn't thought about making that point tied to suicide prevention, but think about how much training a suicide prevention call center operator gets before they go live. They have extensive training about what you should say, how to handle a suicide caller. Really, they make an enormous investment in training for those people handling that really far more serious crisis. But you still need to, the same point still holds for us here in the corporate misconduct realm that you need to train your managers on how to listen. I just wanted to make one other point about Kyle Welch and his work looking at corporate internal reporting rates. I've always said that really what he found, higher internal rates of reporting, ties to better corporate performance. That shouldn't be a surprise because higher rates of reporting means your employees are engaged and want to get problems solved. And if they want to get misconduct solved, they probably want to get other things done well at the company anyways. So it's a sign of a good workforce. I have worked at places where I've had coworkers who couldn't be bothered to call the hotline if the building were on fire or there was an earthquake happening. That sort of metric, that's what it really means. Higher rates of hotline calls means more people willing to speak up about what's wrong with the business. That's good. And that's the part that I want to stress about suicide prevention calls. More people calling the hotline is good because it means they are reaching for help rather than keeping this bottled up or taking drastic action on their own. Look, like everybody else, I wish we could wave a magic wand and have nobody ever really contemplate suicide. And we didn't need suicide hotlines. That'd be a wonderful world, but it's not ever going to happen. So if we do have a mental health crisis in the United States, a lot of evidence suggests that we do, then I am glad to see that when we have these tools available to help people try and address it, more and more of them are using it. That is great. I am perfectly content with that. But really what Welch found and what we are trying to say about more calls to a suicide hotline is the same thing. People seeking help is a good thing, and the organization should be happy when you see it. So the one of the things that I hear the most from compliance officers in terms of what their employee base wants from compliance is middle managers who want what you just described. How do I listen? How do I intake? How do I take that information and get that to compliance or the appropriate corporate function so that the entire part of the speak up culture can work. And uh, I think that's an ongoing dialogue and an ongoing conversation that every compliance officer needs to have because you're always going to have new people in middle management. And if you can give those people, whether you call it a toolkit, whether you call it the skills 
whatever it is about the ability to listen and be a part of that speak up culture, that really leads directly to the type of engagement you're talking about because if an employee does have the courage to raise their hand or does have the courage to walk into their employee's office or excuse me, their manager's office, they're going to know that at least they'll get a fair hearing. And I think that part of it is as significant as anything else. Yeah. It's worth thinking about. There's another example we could cite from the fraud world, and I'm sure many listeners have heard of the fraud triangle, which, you know, what incentivizes a person to commit fraud? The biggest incentive, I would say, is they feel pressure. And that is pressure to maybe hit a sales goal, or they have a gambling problem, or they have debts at home because a loved one needs, I don't know, medical treatment or something, but they feel pressure. And the antidote to that pressure would be a better corporate culture. But really what that means is a culture where they're not afraid to go to the boss and say, I'm under a lot of pressure. I have this problem I can't solve. Could you please help me before I do something drastic like commit embezzlement? It's the same sort of function or dysfunction or issue that we're talking about here. It's employees feeling like they can speak up when they have a problem that they don't know how to solve. And that's true whether it's fraud or it's witnessing it. And it's true in the civil, you might be suffering from depression and be contemplating suicide. You don't know what to do. I, look, I don't know what you'd want to do either, but I would want you to call the hotline. And I think just about everybody else would too. Go talk to those people who are trained to help you. And so if they're doing that, like that's excellent. And so that, that was one big takeaway from that report about the new 988 hotline. One of the first compliance conferences I attended, I believe his name was Brackett Denniston, was then the... CCO at GE was talking about the GE hotline. And he said there was one area of the world, I can't remember which one it was, but that they hadn't gotten zero hotline reports. And he said, that's a problem. And we're going to look into that. And we're going to see why we're not getting reports, what it might mean. And then we're going to refocus our training and communication efforts on that part of the world to try to increase hotline usage. Do you see that as also something companies need to monitor if you don't have hotline reports? I absolutely do. Like you could, let's boil it down to a family, for example. And if anybody listening to parents, you've probably gone through this where you might have a surly teenager and you ask them, is everything okay? And they say, yeah, everything's fine. What what happened at school today? Nothing. Like that is the functional equivalent of zero hotline reports. Anybody believe that surly teenager is actually okay? No, it's the same sort of thing. Tom, I did want to call out one other sort of more mechanical, mundane bit of news about this 988 hotline is that, like I had mentioned earlier, it is a multi-channel system now. There's the hotline, but you can also reach out to prevention counselors through text or chat. Interesting to see that while the hotline calls did increase by a significant percentage, the actual number of calls to or requests to the text line and to the online chats, they went up even more, much more. I think it was the number of texts doubled compared to a year ago and the number of online chats increased tenfold or vice versa, but way up and much more of an increase than we saw in the phone hotlines. So it gets to your point and that the GE person said too about how do you make sure that your internal channels are accessible to all people. For better or worse, whatever it's worth these days, plenty of people are more comfortable talking by text or talking by online chat rather than picking up the phone. So the 988 Lifeline program has this 
multi-channel intake system. I think most companies now, they do the same thing, but it just reinforces the point of how important that is to have a multi-channel intake system. You can get as many reports as possible or give people who are contemplating suicide as many ways as possible to raise the alarm. And the more you do that in the corporate world, the more you might start to get away from zero hotline recalls, which, come on, that is bogus. If you have a big part of the world with zero hotline calls, that is not accurate. And we all know it. We just can't find it yet. Matt, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time for this episode, but we're going to link to your blog post and our show notes. And I can't wait to see what next week brings us. Thank you, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. I've got a special five-part podcast series running on innovation and compliance about the intersection of supply chain and compliance. We take a look at ESG drivers, product compliance, the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act, the Scope 3 Emissions Responses, and Responsible Minerals. This podcast series is sponsored by Ascent Compliance. If you're interested in the intersection of ESG and supply chain, this podcast is the podcast for you. Check it out on the Innovation and Compliance Podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.